podcasting from the world's most livable city, Melbourne. This is the Your Career Down Under Show, a podcast dedicated to help newly arrived skilled migrants and settled migrants with their career and employment issues. We interview recruiters, career coaches, HR experts and employers who share tips, techniques and insights to help you land a job quickly and rapidly advance your career. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Naishad Gadani coming to you from Melbourne. And this is Career Care Package, 144th <laughs> episode. And today we are talking about how recruitment agencies work and what does a recruiter do. We are not doing the recruiter, recruitment consultant 101, but we want to take a, a little bit deeper dive into the, the new and emerging technologies used by the recruitment consultants and the recruitment agencies all across to find the right talent. And to help us answer this question, we have got Simon McSorley, who is the founder of Crew Talent. Is that right? Yep, Crew Talent Advisory. Crew Talent. Yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, and before we get to speak to Simon, let's welcome Caroline Brown. Thanks, Nesh. Feels only like about a few hours since we were on, on live. And Simon, our guest this morning did a Scooby-Doo impression. So you might need to do something to um, actually beat that in, in, in your answers. So, um, But really happy to be here and very excited to be talking about um, recruitment and what a recruitment consultant does and what actually happens when your resume hits the desk and what recruiters look for. So very excited to be here. And thanks for joining us, Simon. No, more than welcome. It's a pleasure. Fantastic. So maybe that's a good place to start, um, you know, for you to tell people about your business and, um, you know, what, what you actually do as a, a recruiter. Yeah, sure. Um, so I own a business called Crew. Um, we work solely in the, in the technology space, uh, predominantly with um, Normally with SaaS and, and sort of product businesses, we do some work in the consulting sphere as well. Um, and our, our main specialization really is around product development, design, engineering, data, or data, depending on where you come from, um, and DevOps. So really that's sort of the, the sort of contemporary tech space. So I suppose any any thoughts or opinions that I share are probably gonna be pertinent to, to the space that we work in. Um, yeah for recruiters that might work in more um, blue collar type roles or casual type roles. I pr probably couldn't comment on there, but I can probably give a, a more holistic sort of overview of you know, how yeah. recruiting, recruiting businesses work and, and how recruiters operate. But there's yeah. probably nuances around some of those other different sort of spheres, if you like. So maybe a good way to unpack it would be, can you tell me what a typical day of yours looks like? What, what you're, you know, what, what from start to start to finish, what, what do you have your hands in? Yeah, um, so we've, we've got a team of seven. So we work, we're supporting, um, at the moment I think we're supporting eight clients. Um, so we'll be we'll be meeting with HR teams, understanding uh, more about specific roles. We'll be meeting with hiring teams, understanding how a specific role is going to get interviewed, what skills we're looking for, what's, what type of personal skills as well as technical skills are, uh, are going to be the right fit for a role. We're going to build a hiring plans for those 
for those teams as well. So how many interviews are we going to have? Who's going to be in those interviews? What do those interviews look like? Is it going to be any technical testing? Where does that sit in the process? Um, so really building out the plan of how we're going to hire, um, defining what sort of person we're going to hire. Um, and then internally, we're, we're talking um, and building plans around how we're going to attract or, or go out and find candidates that fit that brief from the customers. Mm -hmm. so, um, does that make sense? That sort of yeah, absolutely. Um, um, Nish, so oh, sorry. That stuff. sorry, you go. That's okay. Um, no, sorry, I interrupted you. So okay. you're about to say something. Um, so we'll we'll be doing that stuff a lot. The planning around around camp campaigns, we call them. So campaigns for separate roles. Then we'll be doing a lot of activation around those. So um, if if we feel that a role, for example, might need more. Um, more exposure within some online um, platforms like Slack, Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups. We'll build out lists of of those target groups that we want to that we want to be um, showcasing a, a particular role in. Um, we'll do research on which Slack channels have the most followers, for example. Which ones are the most active? Um, if we're going to be posting on LinkedIn, we'll research which um, which tags we should be using, which hashtags. So. Um, we some work we're doing at the moment. Um, yeah, AWS and AWS jobs um, on the surface of it seem like the same thing, but they're actually different. One's got a huge amount of followers, one hasn't. Um, so, if, if we're going to be spending time and energy in, in, in posting across different platforms, we want to make sure we're getting as much as much leverage and as much uh, visibility as possible. So, we'll do a whole bunch of that stuff. So, activating all of that, um, screening candidates managing inbound applications, um, actually interviewing, sitting on interviews with, with customers, um, with clients, with hiring teams. At the end of an interview process, we'll debrief with hiring teams as well. So everyone who's been in the hiring process will get together in a room or a virtual room, um, talk about shortlists that we've interviewed, talk about pros and cons. We have very mathematical ways of, um, of working out who might be the best fit for a role. Um, and then we're making offers, we're rejecting people, we're organising onboarding. So, so this full spectrum from planning a campaign, activating, managing it through, and then closing it out. Wow. Yeah. So you know, Simon, one of the things is we use most of the time get asked is around the what happens once the application really hits the the spot like you've received an application uh whether the, whether that was through linkedin or whether somebody approached you directly or, or whether that has come through an online mm -hmm. jobs board what happens then if you can help us really you know unpack that whole mystery because there's just too many different concepts out mm -hmm. there around whether you know people use certain softwares people sometimes yeah. don't use certain software but what are your you know what are, what's the best practices around you know really you know screening those applications out yeah yeah um i'd like to think that probably most technology companies are, are probably most technology companies recruiting teams or hiring teams are leveraging technical platforms for inbound applications or for resumes that are getting referred in they get put into into a platform of some kind, they sit against a, a job, um, a job requisition that you have open. Um, I think probably most businesses these days are running, running some kind of platform like that. I mean, Seek has um, Seek in the back end for employers has 
have some simple buckets that all your applications come into a bucket and you can get shortlist or, or reject from there and then you can move them through a workflow. So they all have that for helping manage your, 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 your data and your volume of resumes. Um, in terms of what actually happens, yeah, applications come in, you'll see them in a list. Um, yeah, sometimes depending on, on the volume that you're getting, um, yeah, sometimes it'll take two of us to, to work through, depending on time frames that we're on. So two of us, you, know, you start from the top, I'll start from the bottom. Um, with some, with some um, customers we have uh, at the back end, we'll have pre-built filters into the application process. So do you, do you have work rights in Australia is a big one. For anyone that's a no, they're just getting filtered out because we just can't employ. Um, yeah, do you fill? Do you meet a certain amount of criteria? We probably only really want to be talking to the people that, that meet those. Um, yeah, if we can save time, not having to go through four hundred applications and just talk to the twenty that we already know fit the criteria, then that that's time well spent, right? It means we can have potentially twenty relatively meaningful conversations with a, a long list and then cut that down to a short list. So, um, so again, I think my advice for anyone watching would be um, if if you're applying through Seek, for example, and there is built-in questions, you know, answer those. They, they're not always ticked as mandatory, but, but answer them because you're making it easier for people to make decisions, potentially a positive decision about, about your application. Um, so, you, you, you know, we, we get a long list of some kind um, and from there we, we're trying to you know, use 20 earlier, so I'll keep going with that, you know, out of that 20, which which of those are, are people that, that are going to make a short list of people that we really want to get to know, um, get some really good understanding of, who are the people that we're going to spend time telling all about the business, giving them as much information as possible because we think there's there's a good chance that, that they're going to fill the role. I think it's... I think it's kind of important as well for for, for people to, to understand that recruitment's it's kind of an, an exclusive exclusionary exercise, and if that's a word, but it's a it's an exercise an exercise in excluding people from a process. You can't interview four hundred. Yeah, you, know, you you want to interview like deeply interview eight. So you're finding reasons to to excuse and get these people out of the process. So for applicants, I think you know. Some of the age-old stuff that we talk about, you know, good quality cover letters, um, CV that is relevant to the role, not just the standard one you roll out for every job you apply for, whether it's marketing, development, or you know, shelf stacking. You know, have a relevant, relevant CV to the role you're applying for. Yeah, it's um, interesting that you say that. I mean, I think I, I, we do say to people, yeah, it's a screening out process rather than a screening in, but fundamentally it means that you've got to make it, like you say, yep. really easy for people to understand why you're applying for that role and why you're a fit for mm. the role. I was curious about all of the channels that you use. Are you headhunting sort of from those channels or you're advertising in those those channels? Say, for example, like a, a Slack channel, would, would you post an ad in there or would you be looking at how people are interacting in, in that channel? Both depending, uh, it depends on um, on the on the size of the candidate market. So if it's a really small candidate market, um, we probably need to do a lot more direct um, approaches, headhunting, if you want to call it that. Um, where we think there's a larger candidate market and the the campaign is focused more on attraction 
Um, because attractions, attraction is as hard to get right as having very targeted discussions. You, know? mm. you want to attract the right people, not attract everyone, not mm. all the people, just the right people. Um, so if you attract all the people, all 400, you've just, you've bought yourself another problem because you've got to, you've got to reject people with empathy and correctly and in a way that treat everyone in a way you want to be treated. Mm. So you make, make one, you don't want to try and solve one problem and create another. So, mm. so depending on the, to answer your question, depending on the role, um, you, you're either posting something, um, and hoping that that's going to generate inbound inquiry from the right kind of people. Or you're looking at how people are interacting. You're looking at what other people are posting and cross-referencing that against the LinkedIn profile or an online portfolio and thinking, I think this person's definitely worth approaching. Mm. And you're crafting and concocting a, a, uh, an email or an email that's going to at least get a response. Something different to, saw your profile. And <laughs> I think you look what? amazing. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, you're yeah. That makes sense. So with, um, um, you know, if you're looking, say, say you've got a, a resume and, you know, this is one of the questions we sort of discussed and a, a candidate has other profiles, they might have a LinkedIn profile, they might have something on GitHub or they might have, um, you know, something on Twitter or wherever. What, how much weight do you give? What are you looking for there? If, if you've already got, say, a resume from a candidate, what are you looking for in other platforms where yeah. they might appear? Yeah, um, it's a good question. So some of the, the recruiting platforms that we use um, will um, will use the email address in that's given in that um, resume to go out and source all your public profiles. Because mm. most use the same email address for all our all our social profiles, right? So um, so when an email so when a, an application hits in the profile, the platform will automatically put in links to a GitHub, a Dribble account, a mm. Facebook. Twitter so so we're not having to go out and find you it's all presented to us um, we're probably looking for consistency um, mm. you know if your resume says you know you're um, you've you've done XYZ or you've delivered this this piece of work or you feel really passionately about test driven development uh, and I jump into your, your, your Twitter feed and you're talking about how much you hate test driven development <laughs> another day at the office <laughs> There's probably like a lack of congruence there, so yeah. I think we're looking for this. Not necessarily looking for anything specific, um, but does everything add up? Does this seem, like on the face of it, someone that, that I want to talk to? Um, yeah. And for some of the roles we're we're working with the customers at the moment, part of the part of the requirements for that role is, you know, someone's probably going to have to be really comfortable at you know, speaking at conferences and uh, and that sort of thing. So, you know, if if resumes come our way or profiles come our way um, and there's links to a talk that somebody did at a conference or they host things like this where they're talking about test-driven development or whatever it might be, then that's probably a pretty good indicator that they're, they're kind of hitting a few of the, the big ticket items for us that make us want to talk to them. Yeah, that makes sense. So we got just, yeah, just want to welcome Balin and Poonam. And Balin's got a question, which is an interesting one. Jason, hi to you. And Stuart will come to your question quickly. So Balin's question is that when you are in a job, one gets a lot of call from the recruitment agency. But once you're out of the job, you seem to have those calls being dried up. What's the, what's the rationale behind it? You know, it's like you're no longer a hot property in the market. And 
because somebody because you're now not working you are you know you kind of you know we won't consider it. what's what's the rationale behind it hard for me to comment on on everybody else on, on what everybody else does but but I, I i it's it's something i've heard before so i understand what what uh what, what's being asked um i, I don't know is the short answer i i think there's i think a part of it is we've we've got used to some myths in recruitment you know one of them is um one of them is is this thing that if if you're not in a, in a job right now then maybe you're not that good because you'd be employed um which is of course total nonsense because you can be in between contracts uh, and taking a break you could be on a sabbatical um but it's it's one of these things that i think for some reason it's it's a myth that um that that we've allowed ourselves to believe like passive candidates is a myth mm. i only want to talk to passive candidates or <laughs> recruitment agencies have this thing that you know you should let us recruit your roles because we only deal with passive candidates the ones that you know you can't find you know well that was great before linkedin or social platforms but but now anyone can find anyone is mm. the world's biggest database um so you know passive candidates don't exist you're either looking or you're not um it's really simple um i think coming back to the coming back to the question um I, I don't know why that is um it's is it this myth thing um possibly um i, I don't know and I, it's hard to comment on on, on other people I, I i do think though and i'm sure this is something we're probably going to come to that um that if you're if you're in job seeking mode you kind of got to own it yeah, that that's that's your thing to own. No one's probably sat there going, if if Dave applies for a role today, we're going to say no. Um, mm. But 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 equally, they're saying, yeah, if I get a great application from Dave, hey, I'll definitely talk to them. Um, you know, um, it's you, you kind of got to own it as a job seeker. It, it kind of is a full time job, I think, getting a job. Yeah, it's a funny thing about the passive. You hear it all the time, you know, the best candidates aren't working. I don't know if you can say, obviously you can't say that now, but, um, yeah, that myth of the passive candidate is pretty pervasive and I'm not sure why. I mean, everybody goes in and out of jobs all the time. People's jobs change, you know, there's restrictions. Yeah, yeah so I just think maybe Balan with that too is it probably seems like that, but, um, you know, there's all those things around checking your resume, checking your LinkedIn mm -hmm. profile, putting in it, making sure you match the requirements of the role and, mm -hmm. and that type of thing. But, yeah, it definitely was a very pervasive myth that yeah. best candidates are, are actually working. So, yeah. You can feel it more when you're not working as well. Like, yeah. Like no one's calling me. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm not saying that's not true in this case, but, but I think when you're not working and, and you want to work, it feels closer to home. Yeah, it does. So Stuart um, has made a point. He said Simon's point is very relevant to this exclusion. Um, uh, can you please have him explain later the level of feedback provided to the long and short list candidates? So I guess it's, you know, how are you providing feedback? Are you providing different feedback to people who are on a long list or a short list? And yeah. you know, how, how you go, what kind of feedback would you actually give? Yeah um for people that just aren't making a long list um it, it kind of has to be by definition a, a relatively generic um response um you know we 
we for most of our clients you now we all, all these sort of responses we, we pre-build out with, with customers as well so we're using the right tone for customers um for some of our for some of our customers we we, we provide some links you know hey you know, join follow us on, on social they keep sign up for job alerts here's some links that other people have found useful for job searching you know start up big job board things like that so um again using the uh, the 400 applicants now it's it's impossible to sit there and individually respond mm. to four people um for for long-listed candidates um the the response would would be different um it might be hey you made it to the last 20 unfortunately couldn't include you in, in the shortlist um if you want some specific feedback i'm happy to give you some we can arrange a call or or email me and, and I'll, I'll share it with you um but again you know when you're if you're if you're going back to 12 people and you're you're running five roles that day um you know writing 50 whatever it is emails um starts becoming it's this huge this huge chunk out of your day um that being said we also recognize that people have gone to the trouble to apply um mm. if you've applied and you've written tailored a tailored cover letter and all that sort of stuff you've done all the right stuff you deserve you know it's it's only fair to give someone a personal response um mm. so yeah as much as you can we, we will um and for people who 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 interview and, and don't make it it'll always be a call or, or a video call like this and talk through specific feedback and that's the I think that's the beauty of us working so closely with clients. You're able to gather very specific feedback from interviewing panels and be able to feed that back to to, to candidates who who are unlucky. You know, sometimes it's sometimes you can have a shortlist of three people that, that if you had three roles, you'd hire them all. Mm. You don't. So sometimes we're talking very small margins, and they're the hardest calls to make. You know, people that, that you really like. You know, you've you probably got to know them over the course of a month through a process and we almost become friends. I think probably mm. 50% of my LinkedIn network are probably people who have got to that level and just stay friends with. Um, but, you know, so there, there definitely is different layers, levels of feedback, if you like. Um, and I think they're probably probably appropriate to the, to the amount of time and investment that, that, that someone's gone through. Mm. You don't always get it right. Yeah, we just have got a, a question on, on on similar just just on that topic. Uh, Poonam says that she just got a rejection email from a recruiter for a role that was very well aligned and suitable to her skills, and they almost asked me for joining date and everything. And when I asked the reason for rejection, the recruiter said that they just advertised advised that they had filled the role already. So I think the client would have filled the role already. Uh, that's what I'm guessing, Kumar. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's what, you know, does this happen often? Because it could be very excruciating for, you know, for a, for a, for a job seeker, you know, where he or she feels like now it's right in front of me. I think I've, I've got the role and everything else. And suddenly something happens and, and you know they just can't comprehend they just can't make the whole sense of these things right what could be what could be going in the background because i have got a theory that sometimes you know the the recruitment consultant can't review everything because that might you know put their relationship with their you know employer in jeopardy or could be a you know confidentiality it could be many many things but what could be some of those reasons 
Thailand yeah. might have. Um, I think it's, so. So I think a good a good thing to do when when you're applying is look how old the job ad is. If the job ad is is over a week or so old, that people have probably started moving through that process. So you don't you, you very rarely get to the end of three weeks of getting applications and then go right now I start. Mm. You know, quite often you're getting applications hitting in there. If someone is if it's a if it's a role where and again coming back to our planning, if we know that there's 25 other roles being advertised or being hired for the, the, the same as yours. You need to move quickly with people. So in the case of the person with the question, I forget the name, you know, that they could have applied and seen this amazing job, but the interviews might have started happening a week and a half ago. So by the time that person's applied, you could be on the second or third interviews and and, and that, that, that job's getting closed. So it is timing as much as anything else. Um, so there's that um, sometimes sometimes roles get get filled internally you know with with again 90 percent of our of our clients you know we're in on their slack channels so we're 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 advertising the roles internally looking for referrals sometimes you'll get someone apply internally um and every business is trying to show that you can build a career here you don't have to come and just do this role we're cross you know we're cross training we you know we're, 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 want to give people the ability to stay with the business if they if they're good performers but if their interest changes and now they want to do this you you kind of owe it to yourself to to, to try and you know, fulfill that so sometimes that happens as well but i think i would hazard a guess the vast majority of the cases though are the, the prior scenario you, your application is hit and the process already starts so so my advice is check how old the job ends so for this market, Simon, um, has recruitment changed for, for you for this market compared to pre-COVID? Are you doing things differently apart from sort of the Zoom type screening, but in terms of how quickly you might get through interviewing or like has anything changed during COVID? Um, in the tech space, I, th I think it's speeding up. Yeah. Uh, so I think what we've seen with the market is, um, you know, when when we all went into the first lockdown, everything everything sort of froze, and you know, projects were put put on hold. That new product launch that we were talking about that got put on hold because there was just this uncertainty in the market. Um, we I think we went through probably you know a couple of months of everyone trying to figure out what the future looked like and you know managing risk, and we saw unfortunately layoffs and people get furloughed and, and all that sort of thing. Um, but I think what happened was the market went. You know what? The, can't keep living like this forever we've got to we've got to get going like we've, mm. we've got to make stuff happen so we've seen hiring start to pick up and certainly in our space it's it's started gathering momentum so um i think where where people were unfortunately laid off they're now suddenly finding themselves within demand so we've seen this speed pick up um and i think you know we've we've got some really solid recruiting teams in melbourne we've got some great tech companies and they've got some really really solid recruiting teams who who know how to activate campaigns quickly who know how to um keep the the momentum going with hiring managers getting through interviews quickly and, and getting roles closed out tweaking their process where they have to um mm. things will move quickly so um i think in our space um it's 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 adapting to, to the market i think it's understanding your competition in terms of how many similar jobs are, are being advertised so if, I'd like to think we get relatively granular. So if we're advertising for a, a Java role, 
we know the total size of our candidate market, plus we know how many jobs are being advertised. We've got some very simple metrics where we can figure out, we probably know how long this role is going to take and, mm. and, and what that process is going to look like. Um, so you know, being, being able to understand those things um, is important. So I think, it's, I think it's speeding up, if anything, to answer your question. Mm. Oh, that's great news. Hmm. Or not. That's really great. Another thing was around the the kind of body of work or the here's you know you mentioned about that the new uh, applicant tracking system or the platform where if the job seeker has used the singular email everywhere else it just you know gets you know gets everything that the job seeker has done whether on GitHub or anywhere else. What are some of your you know kind of you know, suggestions on building um, you know body of work because you know it is it is becoming you know increasingly important where we talk about personal branding and we are talking about content creation and everything else what are your suggestions around building a body of work on on internet i think that everyone should you know either go and get your own domain name and create a website because five years down the line i don't even know how many people will be on linkedin how complex it will become yeah. uh, it's becoming already noisy crowded marketplace mm -hmm. And if you've got your own website where you can store every bit of information about your professional you know, stuff, I think that, that goes a long way. But what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think for the, for, for the right skill sets, I think anything in the creative space, you should absolutely be having some kind of, some kind of portfolio. Um, there's no reason why a project manager couldn't have, a, couldn't have an online portfolio where they've got pages dedicated to a project they've delivered. And you could talk about the complexity, the, the budget, the problems they face, how they overcame them. You know, you, what, why couldn't you do a, a Google Meets call and you know with one of your stakeholders where you reminisce about the challenges you faced and you had that on on your um on your, on your portfolio? Why couldn't you do a Google Meets call with your stakeholders where you talk about the benefits that project bought and they gave you a testimonial? Why couldn't you do that? Like you could. It's not hard to do. Um, would it make you stand out as a project manager if I could sit there and listen to your stakeholders talk about how together you work through problems? And they they gave some some um, dialogue around what you were like as a leader. I absolutely want to talk to you. So I think it's kind of possible for any role if you're in accounts payable, but you probably still could do. You might not have the skills to do it yourself, and you could learn them, but you but you could do. Would it make you stand out from every other accounts payable person in Melbourne? Probably. So, so I think they're a good thing. Um, I did a talk, and I can share it with you after. Um, on our YouTube page, I spoke to a product manager we hired who's probably got one of the best portfolios I've ever seen. And he goes, gets really quite granular with some of the products he's built, not just around the functionality, but, but why decisions were made. Um, he spent 10 minutes on that, and, you, and I'm thinking to myself, I've got to hire this guy. I've got a client who would love this because the problems here are Problems he talks about in his portfolio directly related to some of the problems that a, that a client had with a role or what they were looking to solve. So I absolutely think yeah. if you can do, if you can build it yourself, do it. If you want to engage someone to, to do it for you, you could probably get you know, a uni student or a, a graduate web developer from um, General Assembly or something like that to help build. They'd probably love to do it as part of their portfolio to build your portfolio. So. You could probably do it relatively cost effectively. You know, think about what you're going to include in it. 
go and talk to some of your stakeholders, see if they'll do a five minute video call with you. Yeah. Do a LinkedIn mm -hmm. Live someone where you talk about it. Mm -hmm. Get some of your old project team on a LinkedIn Live call where you talk through, you get your yeah. camera up there and you talk about, hey, remember when we got to this? How did we solve that? What was the thing we did? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The only thing that's stopping you doing it is your imagination. It's funny, isn't it? Like, I think um, it's we, we keep talking about the importance of online branding and the tools are there, the tools are free. It's easy to make a YouTube video. You can jump onto Canva and do a little clip. Like, they're very easily accessible. But I don't think people really have embraced it. And if you look at the quality of people's LinkedIn profiles, sometimes you really have to, you know, wonder where when they upload updated it last and, and that type of thing. So I reckon that's a really great message that you've put out there, Simon, about you can really stand out if you just do some basic things. Like, yeah. and, and you know, you don't, you don't have to produce a Hollywood movie. You can just have a decent conversation yeah. or an enthusiastic conversation mm -hmm. with someone. And Nash, you, that worked for you um, when you are in India. Coming back to Australia, we've been running these LinkedIn Lives and I think that's probably one of the reasons that you got hired. Absolutely. That's one of the reasons why, you know, absolutely. It's the body of work that is consistently being thrown uh, out in the public. And, you know, a lot of people make this, you know, big hoo-ha around content creation and everything else. You know, I'm pretty sure Simon and KB, you know, we've been using LinkedIn since 2006, 7, 8. And one of the things that I did uh, back in 2011, 12, is that I consistently shared a lot of good uh, you know blogs and articles and that's what i did i never wrote anything but i consistently shared those things out there which created a body of work people continuously you know came to me with hey nation you shared that i really liked it can you you know tell me more about that and i think that's pretty much it i i don't think so that it requires you know huge amount of production you know whatever that you have just go you know, give it a go uh, may not be video, but I think what Simon says, I really like that. That getting on, you know, call with somebody who is being your stakeholder and discussing and you know, having a genuine conversation about what really made the difference in that project. People will see the gold into that. Wow, you can have that kind of conversation, which you can never ever put it on the resume. Yeah. You know, it's a very single-dimensional product resume, right? You can't really give that in-depth. And I'm pretty sure, you know, Simon, do you see that, you know, how do organizations move beyond the resume? What are some of your thoughts on even even moving forward two, three, four, five years down the line? Are organizations seeking to move beyond the resume? And, and what are some of the things that even job seekers can do to, to adapt? To this, uh, to this changing world. Yeah, I don't think resumes will go away because most people, most people follow the path of least resistance, and it's easier to just write a, a, a load of dot points about tasks you can, and hope, hope that you get called back. I mean, I hate to say, but that's what most resumes I get are. They're, they're a list of tasks. Very few talk about what was the benefit of you being in that job. What value did you bring? Just a list of tasks, and that's why probably most of them go. Now, I had one today, someone calling themselves innovative. There's nothing in their resume that was innovative. But seriously, I looked at the, the work they'd done, list of tasks. There was nothing, there was nothing innovative about it. So, you know, we, we, we love buzzwords and we love, you know, that sort of thing, but unless you can back it up, um, you know, don't bother. Um, mm. 
um, people can go on our site. We've got a whole bunch of free templates there. Just you can go and download them for nothing. Just take them. There's um, you know, tips on how to write a resume. There's some tips on a cover letter. There's a simple spreadsheet. We can just track the amount of jobs that you the jobs you've applied to. Just fill in a spreadsheet. So when I call you in a month's time and say, hey, you applied to our role, you do, you go. I can't remember which one that was. You mm. have to tell me about it. You know, so as job seekers, we've got to own it. But again, to your point, I don't think resumes will go away. I think the content could. You know, if the content was a link to your portfolio, if your resume was said, I've got an online portfolio that talks about all the stuff that, you, that this job says it needs, here's the links to the individual pages, your resume is just the delivery system for, for me getting to your, to your portfolio. Mm. That's what I'm interested in. Mm. I don't really care about the content of your resume filling a certain need as long as it's telling me what I need to know. I don't, I don't, it doesn't have to be a certain format for me to go, that's a good resume. It's the content. Mm -hmm. And if the content is a link to something that tells me how you're relevant to the role, then that's good enough. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. 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 Yeah, so if you've got, uh, you know, we've got a few more minutes with Simon. If you've got any questions, please uh, drop it in the chat box and we will take it. Uh, you know, we'll ask those questions to Simon. One one last question for me around the you've you've seen that you know you know you started to see some movement in the tech space that you primarily recruit in. What are your you know you know obviously you you recruit all across Australia, um, but what are your observations in the overall recovery as you know in the recruitment space? Do you think that that is going to pick up once we come out of the woods at this? In, uh, in Victoria, once the lockdown eases and everything, you see that the recovery will start to slowly, gradually build up. Yeah, I think I think the budget today will have a have a fair bit to do with it. I think um, today's budget is going to is going to create a whole bunch of opportunity. I think the um, I think the consulting businesses that deliver that kind of work. I think a lot of that stuff is is going to be um, sort of federal government type type level work. So. You know, yeah, I think digital invoicing and, and all that sort of stuff, so being able to 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 transact easier. Um, so I think a lot of those will be delivered by government bodies or consultancies that service providers that, that work with them. So I think that will create a lot of opportunity. Um, I think I think you know Melbourne as as we get out and people will start returning to work. Um, I think we'll see we'll see a pickup. Um, I think I think B two C type businesses um, that are providing services um, might still see it being a little bit lumpy, depending on you know what they're what they're selling. Um, you know, obviously, anything travel or tourism related out of Australia is going to be a, be a, be a struggle. Um, you know, you look at some of the local businesses like Rome to Rio. I love that business, um, but you have to think with with very little travel happening at the moment. Um, you know, they'd be facing some challenges. Possibly not going to go anyway, away anytime soon. So I think at the flip side of that, I think that some of the pivoting we've seen has been brilliant. Um, you know, harder to pivot a, um, a whole tech offering, a whole product offering, really, really quickly. But but I think we're starting to see some of that. So um, I think we I think we're still it's, we're in a moment in time. Uh, I think we're doing a whole lot better than, than a lot of our overseas compatriots. Mm. Otherwise, the competitors. Um, so I think we're we're doing a lot better than, than some of them. Um, 
I actually feel positive about, about where, where we'll be. Um, I think everyone's trying to do a bit of a, a last clap until Christmas and then hopefully for Australia, everyone's sort of getting a decent Christmas break and then we, we, we're kicking into next year. Mm. Simon, what about um, in terms of um, recruitment itself as a function changing? So, you know, your role or your firm's role in terms of the recruitment mix because, you know, you see a lot of, like, it, it, it's easy to find people now, but, you know, whether it's easy to attract the right people or build the relationship with the right people is a, a different question. So how do you see the role of a recruiter changing as we sort of move into the future post not necessarily because of COVID, but just because of general changes in technology and so forth as well. Yeah, um, I kind of liken our role, I call our role high-level problems, yeah. people-based problem solving. Um, so as we're talking, I'm just getting a message on Slack um, from one of our customers asking about um, how how one of their roles compares to to others of a similar nature in, yeah. in terms and asking for some data around that. So, you know, I think, modern day you know, recruitment teams are um, part mediators, part advertisers, you know, needing to understand some digital marketing, copywriting, you know, need to be able to write compelling ad copy, um, part project managers putting together, you know, careers pages um, that are really highly functional as well as, um, as well as able to attract and sell, um, you know, highly functional, um, got to be good negotiators. Um, Negotiating with with candidates, but also internally negotiating on what is and isn't achievable. Um, part psychologists understanding people. Um, got the admin gurus got to be able to work through. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's um, you got to be really well organised, which is not good for me. Um, um, it's 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 a job where, like seriously, no two days are the same. Mm. Um, you know, we get to work on, you know, we, we, we've done a whole employer branding work for people, so we've got production capabilities, so we've produced careers pages, we've produced employer branded, employer brand focused video and, and photographic uh, production, so um, so we get involved right from, from the, right from the beginning through to delivery around specific roles, so mm. um, challenge strategy now is, is, is forming a big part of what recruitment teams do, so. What's the business trying to achieve and how does talent underpin that and how do you make that, those two things work and then mm. the stuff around delivery that that informs that you know kind of separate skill sets but all kind of the same if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. so the days of slapping an ad up on seek and just managing the screening is well and truly gone out the window yeah i think for evolved for highly evolved talent functions yeah yeah um you know we, we see recruitment ops now Rec ops is, is, is becoming a real thing. Um, so how does you know, how does recruitment working with learning and development? How does it yeah. tie with, with with a broader HR team? Um, you know, I know recruiters that sit in with um, with, with product squads. Um, actually, sitting with a squad. When, you know, for some of our customers, we sit in. We we go to, to our, our squad stand-ups. We get to understand the, the teams, the personalities in the teams. Um, how someone going to complement that team? Is it Overly male heavy. Most spoiler alert, most of them are. Um, you know, how, how how do we get some some diversity into those teams? And what sort of do we need to balance out the personalities? Is it all overtly um, again? Is it all overtly um, 
introverts or extroverts? How do, how do we mm -hmm. help get some balance into there? Um, how do we help hiring managers interview really well? You know, very few hiring managers get taught how to interview. We all kind of do it by osmosis. So we sit on interviews with, with customers and help you get better at hiring. So yeah, it doesn't stop. You know, you've got to evolve with, with market demand. Yeah. Well, that's excellent, Simon. And you know, Lahiri, Paras, and Prashant will probably take your questions on a on a Friday. But Paras, your question could also be answered by our guest coming on Thursday as well around the tech areas such as RPA, AI, and ML, which I none of them I can really fully uh, uh, you know these are all abbreviated abbreviated uh, I don't know what do they mean um, so we'll probably ask for the recruiter coming on Thursday if you, if you can hold on to your questions but Simon thank you again for coming along and sharing some of your ideas and insights uh, you know from recruiter point of view because we are always interested to know uh, you know what recruitment consultants really think through because you know if you understand you know you know where they come from just helps, uh, you know, as a job seeker for you to position yourself appropriately. So thank you again, Simon, for coming along. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, okay, so I'll, I'll probably do that. Uh, we are taking a break tomorrow. So there'll be no LinkedIn Live tomorrow. So you can, you also can take a rest uh, and enjoy your afternoon doing something. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back on Thursday. Uh, again, and we are speaking to another recruiter specifically in the tech space, but she's going to talk about which are the hot jobs available right now. Her name is Kushku. She's coming on Thursday. And until we see you tomorrow, uh, you know, look after yourself. No, we're not seeing you tomorrow. We're seeing you Thursday. Until we see you, uh, all of you on 47 hours, uh, please look after yourself and your loved ones and stay safe, everyone. Bye for now. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Thank you everyone for listening to the Your Career Down Under show. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to know more about how Your Career Down Under can help you, please reach out to us on www.yourcareerdownunder.com.au And if you have got a question about today's episode or if you want us to do a particular show on a particular topic, please reach out to us. We would love to do that. Until next time, be well.